At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I got a few screws loose since the days of my youth. It's a few screws loose podcast. I got a few screws loose and I'm telling you the truth. It's a few screws loose podcast. I got a few screws loose. You don't really want proof. It's a few screws loose podcast. I got a few screws loose. Why do what I do? It's a few screws loose podcast. Welcome back to A Few Screws Loose, the podcast, where we have discussions about mental illness by the mentally ill. My name is Dan, and you can find me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on drugs. <laughs> I'm sorry. That motherfucking picture of RG3 was on my phone, and I was just getting ready to talk. And I, <laughs> I just happened to look down and see that Joe again, young man. Like that nigga face, that nigga face. It's like, yeah, yeah, y'all ain't fucking with me after this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That nigga's hair got fucked up. Man, that joint oh, looked like Lord. a damn dirty-ass Brillo pad, man. <laughs> God damn. That nigga's like, he got multiple ringworms, yeah. <laughs> Your hairline right. got multiple sclerosis. <laughs> All right, let me regather myself. Hold up. <laughs> Why are you tell me about that so close to the show, man? <laughs> man, I forgot about. I, I don't even know what made me think of that, man. <laughs> All right, hold on. All right, <sighs> all right. It's gonna be hard, young, because I'm about to talk, and I just happened to look down, young, and I saw that nigga smile. Man, that nigga got some long ass teeth. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> That nigga's fucked up looking, young. It's like he looked like he's supposed to have braces, young. That nigga's fucked up. He looking. probably right. do, but they're under his bottom lips. <laughs> <laughs> that nigga teeth is six inches. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> that nigga's braces is behind his lips. <laughs> oh, shit. <sighs> Just turn right, the show. <laughs> turn that joint into a whole show, joining on RG3. Also, just post this joke right here. You said that nigga's braces is behind his lips. That nigga's teeth must be long as shit. Man, he a fucked up looking dude, man. That's probably why that nigga got cut in D.C. It wasn't because of his injuries of play. John, uh, what's his name? Gruden came in like, nah, nigga, you too ugly to be the face of the uh, franchise. Hey, Robert, get your ugly ass out of here. <laughs> But I can play, coach. <laughs> I'm, all right, hold up. I'm ready now. I'm P from Charlotte. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Screws Loose Pod. Last episode, we had a discussion about antisocial personality disorder, being misanthropist, 
um, places that we like to go, places that we absolutely refuse to go, which may be normal places to other people. And uh, we also, you know, shared a few stories here and there. And then the very funny story of us and Jay Holiday chasing down Will Catlett and his boy. That was a bonus story at the end. So if you haven't checked it out, go back and check out episode three. We're misanthropist, not antisocial. This week, what we're going to discuss is something that affects the both of us, as well as millions of other people worldwide. It affects Paul a little more than it affects me. And what I'm talking about is mania. Um, Right out the gate, P, can you explain what mania is? Mania is typically seen in people who suffer from bipolar disorder. Uh, there are two types of mania, uh, mania and hypomania. We'll get into those differences later on. But uh, I guess to kind of put it simply is, you know, manic episodes are periods of excessive high energy, uh, reckless behavior, potentially. And they cycle, uh, you know, and alternate with periods of depression as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of a lot of different things can come with a manic episode. And uh, we're going to get into all of that uh, as the show goes on. Speaking of um, mania and being manic, right, I don't want to ju- dive too deep into sports, but one of the most inspirational comebacks that I've seen in recent years is with Tyson Fury, man. That dude, he beat the shit out of Klitschko, won, won all the titles, and you would think that that would, like, fulfill wh- whatever it is, you know, you I mean, you reached your goal. You got to the peak of the sport. That's not typically when you get depressed. You get depressed in whatever when you lose. Like the first time you lose, look at fighters like um, Roy Jones when he lost. There's a few. Ricky Hatton, man. Ricky Hatton, he's kind of like fucked up. Look at Conor McGregor. Like all these dudes, when they lose for the first time, it sends them spiraling into deep, uh, deep depression. So looking at Tyson Fury, man, the dude got, what, 400 pounds? Yeah, he got, I think he did say he was pushing 400 pounds after he won all three world titles uh, from Vladimir Klitschko. And, um, you know, typically, though, I do notice, like you, like you stated a minute ago, Dan, when fighters, <clears throat> you know, reach the pinnacle, uh, they may struggle when they lose. But something that I've noticed when you said that is, think of Mike Tyson, though. He lost after being the baddest man on the planet, and it didn't seem to bother him at all. He readily admitted, yeah, I lost. You know, he acknowledged that he lost, but he had many issues leading up to that loss. And after that loss, uh, Tyson Fury is similar. He had multiple issues leading up to it in his personal life, a lot of controversies. But when he won that title, it seemed to really push him over, you know, over the ledge and off the deep end. And he seemed to struggle mightily, um, you know, as evidenced by that when he won that title three years ago, he didn't fight again until 2018. So that says a lot about the kind of condition he was in and what he was battling with man. And the, I want to say he even attempted suicide or was like on the verge of committing suicide. If I'm not mistaken, he was on someone's show um, recently. I can't remember who I I feel bad. I can't remember who I'd like to give him a, a plug. You can take that out. But, uh, he said that recently that he was at, at the worst that he was over the last few years. He got in his Ferrari, I think it was, got up to 190 miles per hour and was saying he was going to drive into a bridge, you know, to the, the pillars of a bridge. And something in his brain told him no. And luckily, he redirected himself. And that was the day he told himself he was going to get back under control and fix his life. And 
we've seen him come back in, in the ring about 200 pounds lighter. So yeah. uh, apparently whatever he had telling him that day, it struck a chord. Man, to to watch that, like I said, it was amazing. But in order to to go from that deep of a depression, right? I mean, I've I've been in pretty dark places myself, as I'm sure you have. But to to bounce back to to where he is now, to like world champion, world class fighter, like it, that's not an easy feat. And in order to do that, in order to lose 150 plus pounds, get yourself back in shape after doing a whole lot of drinking, drugs, being depressed, uh, suicidal, get in that ring with a world champion fighter fight your ass off and beat his ass too yo that the dude would you think that mania was that would attribute to his comeback well i I did see that he never specifically stated what his diagnosis was but you know i'm not a professional obviously i'm just a dude who has problems myself i have bipolar um you know bipolar 2 is what is you know classified as that comes with ptsd but the thing is, um, his behavior kind of seems familiar. Now, there are two types of bipolar, bipolar one, bipolar two. Bipolar one, the mania is like extreme. Uh, with bipolar two, it's called hypomania, which is it's a lesser form of mania, but it still has the major depressive disorder. I almost want to say that Tyson Fury acts like bipolar one. Uh, if we have any doctors or psychologists listening, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but... Um, It'd be great if someone maybe can say anything in the comments on Instagram or something about that. But it seems as though that his mania was extreme to get up to 400 pounds and, you know, uh, to lose it all. You know, I almost want to say that his mania was him getting back in shape and that depressive state put him 400 pounds overweight. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, at 400 pounds. Um, The only problem is, Dan, we saw that fight. And we mentioned what he had to do to get back into that kind of shape. And so, so quick, Yeah, um, he was robbed. You stated he beat Wilder's ass and he did beat his ass. Yeah. And he got robbed. So I don't know about you, but one thing is uh, I sense that it may be cause for concern. I hope his family or friends are on top of this that uh, kind of help keep him from maybe going back to that dark place. What do you think? What do you think about that? Do you think that? That's a possibility for someone like him who's already been in that dark place. Hell yeah, man. And he can fit. He can fit easier into that dark place now because he's smaller, man. That um, <laughs> that, That's true, though. I mean, he, they feel he has a little bit of leeway. Like, oh, I'm all right. I, I, I'll just I'll be I'll recover. I'll get it back. And yeah. then next thing you know, yeah, we've all said that to ourselves, too. Um, uh-huh. You I, I'd be worried because most people. That are and I'm gonna speak for both of us because I I know you're the same way. Is we take fairness very serious, right? It's it's like up there with respect and all kinds of other shit, man. We we take that shit serious. Being fair that that was unfair. It was an unfair decision. And a lot of people that don't know how boxing works, they think because Deontay Wilder knocked him down twice. First off, I see a lot of people saying. He knocked him out twice. He knocked him out. You can only get knocked out once in a fight. You don't get back up if you get knocked out and you're not allowed to continue the fight. If you do get back up, he wasn't knocked out. He was knocked down. Big difference. Boxing is scored on a 10 point must system, meaning you must give the fighter 10 points if they win the round, right? Knockdowns considered 10, eight round. So like for, you know what? (laughs) 
ain't even gonna try to explain it, man. But <laughs> hey, look, I don't blame you because I have been trying to explain that same thing ad nauseum for the last week. Yeah. So it's a losing battle. Yeah, I, I give up. But yeah, I see a lot of people saying that oh Wilder should have won that fight. Wilder got robbed. No, Wild Wilder got a gift. And I don't I don't particularly I don't have a dog in that fight. But back to back to Tyson Fury. Yes, I can see like if I were him, that shit would send me into probably as deep of a depression. Now, this is not knowing his current medical condition, what meds he may be on now, if he's in any type of therapy, uh, CBT, stuff like that. But I can speak for myself. If I was in his shoes, that that would take a huge hit on me mentally. Because, yo, I just made the comeback of a lifetime, got myself in shape, got in here with the world champion fighter, beat his ass. Everyone, not one person who knows boxing, no professional commentators, no uh, professional fighters, former fighters, says Deontay Wilder won that fight. Not one. So, yeah, that 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 would weigh on me mentally and it would probably send me back to where I came from the first time. And. Not that judges or anybody should think about that shit because nah, we we just looking at the fight, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, that was an unfair decision and I hold fairness in everything I do very high. Yeah, and when you feel like you got a raw deal, especially after you've put in so much work, so much work, you take that as a slap in the face, especially if he's come back from, you know, the depths he was at. I mean, he was pretty bad off. So, um, you know, I've seen him in the media. He's still holding the positive uh, you know, image and still saying, you know, like he's not very upset and looking forward to the rematch. But, you know, you're not always going to tell people what's really going on. I'm not saying I'm wishing this on him at all by any means. I just hope because we love boxing. Me and Dan, we love boxing. Um, You kind of want to see guys succeed. You don't want to see someone struggle like that because nah. one of our favorite guys of all time, Mike Tyson, he struggled for so long, took a lot of criticism, a lot of ridicule. People found out what he was going through. He finally got some people around him that were healthy for him. And he's been fairly well off ever since. Yeah, man. He said uh, Mike said he actually likes being broke more than having hundreds of millions of dollars because the relationships around you when you're broke, they're they're true relationships like his current wife, you know, his friends, family, the people that were there when he looked up and he didn't have any money left. The people that were still there. Those are solid relationships. Everyone else were just like entourage, people hanging on, people from the neighborhood. It's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure MC Hammer went through the same thing. Like all the people he was paying, all the families he was feeding. But once he ran out of money, yo, you look around and where's all the people that I've been doing so much for, for all of these years, they're gone. Because... Yo, you ain't got shit no more. So shit, we we really didn't like you. We just liked the fact that you were giving us money. All right. So yeah, that that was just a a look at, you know, um a more recent case of from one extreme to the other, depression to what possibly could be mania. Um, yo, what so P, what causes mania? Well, I did see that to get a diagnosis of something like bipolar. Your mania can't be caused by external factors like drugs, alcohol. Um, so it's sort of like there's an issue in, in your brain, sort of like with depression. You know, you have serotonin issues, hormonal issues, and bipolar is similar to that, too. Um, when studying about mania, a lot of time um, it's 
pretty much if someone is going through a man a manic episode, you really can't stop it. It's not that they're just doing it because hey, I want to do this. I want to be reckless. I want to ruin my life. I want to you know ruin relationships. They can't help it. A lot of time they don't know. You can tell them, but it doesn't matter because their brain operates in cycles. You uh, you know, you you go through like we stated earlier. You alternate between you know excessive energetic episodes in your mania and you cycle down to major depressive episodes and these last for weeks sometimes months at a time like how often do you personally experience mania well um i used to experience it a lot more back when my ptsd symptoms really started to pop up um this is years ago when i was still in the fire department and during that stage for about three or four years i was pretty much manic regularly for months at a time. I mean, I would go to the gym from four in the morning till noon every day. I would paint. I was painting like a madman. I would sleep for two or three hours a night. I was always up and going. Um, I was being extremely belligerent and aggressive, ready to fight at the moment at at the drop of a hat. I've told stories before about me and my pistols and, (laughs) and why they had to go. So, um, you know, now though, uh, you know, almost a decade later, I'm, coping a lot better i would say you know my our, my doctor back in the day stated that it was she was trying to determine whether it's bipolar one or two mm-hmm. and the way to determine that is your manic episodes if you if you have hypomania which is kind of a less extreme mania then you you become labeled bipolar two right and that's ultimately what i was labeled as and i understand why because ever since the fire department the stressor kind of went away um i still have the issues but not as extreme i still have manic episodes you know, usually around December, January, sometimes in the early spring and usually around September, but they're nowhere near as extreme as they used to be. Right. Um, right. I just kind of sleep a little less for a little while, but I do know that I, I do have the depressive episodes, not, you know, they're not as major as they used to be. The highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as low, I guess, to kind of put it simple, simply. Yeah, man, I've, I've had manic episodes, um, not very often. I, I think I went through a point, much like you were saying, with the fire department when there was that major stressor and you tend to cycle a lot more. Um, so I'm going to say the past two years, I don't think I've been I, I don't think I've had any um, manic episodes, but there was a time where, you know, I was cycling left and right. And what's crazy is I love mania i love that shit man like this i can't even describe the feeling it's like a high without any drugs or alcohol or or anything man it's like a natural high my productivity goes through the roof and i mean i can be working on 10 different projects at once get them all done with and i'm a perfectionist too so when i say working on a project I'm, i'm talking about putting endless an endless amount of hours into it Get those 10 projects done, still have energy to do more than start working on other shit. Man, I'd start tearing out walls at the house or whatever and like, oh, time to remodel. Oh, shit, I need to go give my truck a tune up. I will get so much shit done. And me during a manic episode that last, I'm going to just give it a week, right? I would get more shit done that week than I would do for the entire rest of the year. And that's not even a stretch right there. So the, I mean, the downside is the downside, but man, I I love mania, man. I welcome that shit. 
it's just it comes at a price and some people are unwilling or not unwilling, but they're unable yeah, and unwilling to pay that price. Me, on the other hand, I welcome it. I accept it and I, I wish for it. I'm like, shit, I could, if, if I can only have some of that mania juice now, man, I can get a lot of shit done. But uh, yeah, as of recent, I, I haven't had any any episodes. Uh, how about you? How do you feel about mania? I mean, now knowing more. Because it's been all it's been over a decade for me. Um, I used to think that I liked it when it was extreme because I was four percent body fat, one hundred fifty four pounds. I was strong as you know, I was lift the whole gym. I learned how to swim in a week uh, and I was twenty seventh. I taught myself how to swim in one week. I became a deadly, lethal, accurate uh, three point shooter on a basketball court. I almost got myself to be able to dunk in a couple months. So I thought I was the shit i was like man i like this what are, you, what are they talking about but then i started to take stock over what i was what else i was doing that was not healthy and you know now that i'm a few years in i'm, I'm about a decade in and i see the difference between mania and hypomania all the productivity that you think you do that's good ultimately is not good because the end result is nothing really long-term productive i'm 36 now i've gained my weight back sure i used to paint some great artwork back in the day but I don't paint now. So I may get a little hypomanic stage where I feel like, oh, I feel like painting something. But then I turn around and say, nah, because then, you know, you get the the the, the feeling where as though you feel like you're wasting your time, you can't focus anymore, and then you kind of doubt yourself. So that's the flip side of mania. Something <laughs> You start to get the depressive episodes after that. But, um, you know, there are other times, too, when I was a little more manic, when I would think I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to get this done, I'm going to get that done, and I don't get shit done. Um, <laughs> yeah. some things is because I just really can't do. And I don't know why I thought I could in the first place. So, uh, yeah. have you ever done anything like that? Dan started something and then just said, oh, well, and never got back to it. Uh, I, I'm sure I have. I can't really think of anything like off the top because most of the shit I do, whether man or not, I, I get the shit done. I'm, I'm trying to think. And I know that was on the, um, on the run sheet. But I, I can't really think of anything that I like started and never finished. But I can tell you a lot of stuff that I never started. That's probably for the best. Like I was going to go around now. This this is all me talking to myself in my head. And I was all for it, too, is I was going to go around the city of New Orleans buying blighted property. And at the time, you can buy all all this shit for like between five and ten thousand dollars. Right. In in the hood, blighted property, rundown house. Um, you're just basically paying for the land. So I was like, shit, I'm gonna buy up like five or six of these properties, and uh, shit, in another like two or three years after I fix them all up, man, I'm gonna have like two million dollars. And that part of it is true. Had I bought all these properties, but it's probably a good thing I didn't because yo, that manic that manic phase would have passed. And I would have been sitting around like, man, I got all these fucking properties, man. What the fuck am I going to do? Why the hell I buy all these damn properties? Kind of like somebody I know in classic cars. Man, I had classic cars like a mug. I was buying. <laughs> I'm going to throw back kind of to what Dan stated a minute ago about when people lose um, their money with mental illness. They tend to sometimes say that they feel better. Well, I made a lot of money in my day in the fire department. A lot. I had so much money. I didn't know what to do with it anymore. So I would buy cars. I like cars. I like Monte Carlos. I like uh grand nationals so i saw a 86 monte carlo super sport bought it in cash i saw a uh, 68 mustang 
289, bought it in cash. Then I had an Infinity, got rid of that, got a Monte Carlo 06 Super Sport, and I had three cars and I had nowhere to park them. <laughs> then I, I lost my career in the fire department. I sold them all and it doesn't bother me. It's almost like you see these things in when you're manic, you're like, I got to have this now. I'm going to do what I can to get it. But then once you come down from that, it's like, oh, well, who cares? And I've done that with many things in life where for the moment, I'm like, oh, man, I got to get this, got to get that. I get real high on things. And after a while, I don't care. I'm like minimalist. I don't need anything. Yeah. So, um, you know, I will say one thing that I can, you know, remember that I would start and not finish is paintings. I have so many paintings around that I started years ago and I've never picked back up. And some have been sitting around for six years. I just haven't been back in that phase to pick my brushes back up again. Man, you used to paint like a motherfucker too, man. That's how that's how I knew when when your ass was manic, cause you used to send me uh screenshots, oh, not screenshots, pictures of the paintings you were doing. Like, damn, man, that shit looked tight, man. Hey, while you at it, why don't you paint me one too? Yeah, man, I got you, man. I got you, man. <laughs> About eight months go by, you be like, hey, man, what, what's up with the paint, man? I ain't paint, I ain't painting like eight months, man. Fuck, I man, fuck look. that painting shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think anybody that's artistic in anything, whether it be you, Dan, because, you, you know, you, you're an artist, too. You don't call yourself one, but, you know, you're a photographer. Um, you know, you like to make music. Uh, anybody who likes to produce art in any form, a lot of the time you may go years without producing anything. And you may feel like, OK, I want to do this. Like I, I owe Dan probably five pieces of art over the last few years and I haven't produced any yet. But at the same time, I haven't produced any art, period, whatsoever at all. Yeah. So it's just one of those things. Yeah. Bama tried to give me a, a easel instead. <laughs> like, hey, how, you want an easel instead? <laughs> nah, nigga, I don't know how to paint. <laughs> Man. Well, yeah. Like like I said, I welcome it. And going going into some of the artistic stuff is music, man. Like, I want to... There was a point where music would actually make me manic. Like, I'd be working on uh, making a song, doing something, you know, something, something musical making a beat, doing some kind of musical arrangement. Music sometimes will put me into mania. I'd be working on something for so long and not want to put it down until I was done with it. The thing is, like like P was saying with, with artists, is there's a, a certain level of perfectionism that comes with every artist, and I can't put shit down without finishing it. So no lie, sometimes I would spend two, three days sitting at a console making music and i'm talking about the only times i would get up is to piss to go grab something to eat to grab something to drink and that's it and i'm i'd be sitting at that console for two three days in a row not moving not jumping in the shower not brushing my teeth i'm working on this damn music and yo i i that's i loved it at the time because at the time it's like you're engulfed but then you look up two three days later and you're like damn i ain't slept i'm tired of shit and you start to get a little delirious when you've been up for a couple of days. So that that doesn't help either. Your mind was I wouldn't eat when I would start painting. I would sit at that table for 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours and realize, damn, I haven't eaten anything. And there were times I realized I hadn't eaten for two days. You know, yeah. it's just one of those things where you kind of get so preoccupied with what you're doing, especially, you know, if you're talented at something that you just don't really have the space in your brain to really do anything else. Yeah, man, I, I've, I've totally been there. So um, why, while you're manic, right, um, how do you ever overestimate your abilities? Uh, 
Well, I can't say that a hundred percent because all the times I threatened to whoop somebody's ass or shoot someone, they backed off. So maybe if they actually said, you know, in response to me saying, what's up? Maybe if they said, what's up too? And we started to, to you know, fight, maybe I'd have got my ass kicked. And I, so <laughs> I can't really say if I've actually overestimated myself um, because typically my manic episodes, all right, here's the thing. I know that you can't always uh control when you're manic and the things you do but certain personality types if it's not in your character i'm speaking from experience you may not do it for example i don't drink i don't sleep around i never done that type of stuff so maybe i'd never done that type of stuff when i was manic like some people do is because it's not in my character i don't know i'm not an expert but i fight a lot and i'm very aggressive and i have and i used to get very angry really easily so that's the only thing i can really speak to outside of art which i'm good at that maybe I overestimated my ability. Yeah, I can fight too. I'm a boxer, but I mean, it's always somebody out there that can kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> so ultimately, I can't honestly say if there's been a situation I've been in, I've put myself in where I overestimated myself and failed because nobody kicked my ass in those man <laughs> in those manic episodes. Hey, yo, somebody funny, funny thing too to jump off into a sidebar, right? Someone actually asked me. Who would win between you and Paul in a fight? Because they heard us talking about we were both trained fighters. So my response was, <laughs> it depends on the day. And now yeah. it's funny because it's like, it depends on which one of us is manic. Because, yo, I remember I went training for like an entire year since since the previous time we had sparred. Man, I kicked your ass. And then the same, my ass. same thing happened. Mightily. <laughs> you, uh, you did the same thing. You was training for like 10 months straight since the last time we had sparred. And I was just eh, going to the gym, going through the motions. Man, you broke my nose. Kick my ass, man. So it depends on the day. <laughs> that was in my height of my manic phase. I was boxing for three hours every single day. Man, my, Put it this way, Dan. My workout consisted of four. I would get to the gym at 4.05. I would shoot the basketball for an hour and 20 minutes. I would lift weights for another hour and 15, 20 minutes. I would go box for about two to three hours. Then I would go to the pool and swim laps and laps and laps and laps. And then if I had more time, I'd go do, I don't know, some 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 spin cycling or some running. That was every single day. Man, I remember that shit pissed me off, Joe, because when you was like, hey, man, you trying to spar? Like, yeah, all right. You know, I ain't really been training or nothing, but I'm thinking you hadn't been training much either, man. We put on the gloves and next thing you know, you bouncing around and I mean, for those who know what a counterpuncher is, that's typically what P is. He's a counterpuncher. He, he'll he back away, he'll back away, he'll back away, wait for you to slip up and try to catch you. Like, man, this motherfucker started coming forward. I said, oh, shit. I don't think I was ready for this. <laughs> like, man, I, <laughs> I, was, I was just, man, I was crazy. And wasn't that that day we almost used, like, some MMA gloves instead of boxing gloves? I Probably. I know we ain't have no... <laughs> And we used to be dumbasses too, cause that day we didn't have no headgear, no mouthpieces, and at a no bare mouthpiece. bare minimum, we used to always spar with a mouthpiece. And our philosophy was, as far as headgear, we never wore headgear. If you get punched in the face, that's cause you did something that you ain't had no business doing. So we were confident enough in our abilities to know that we weren't going to be doing something that we ain't have no business doing until you until you start spar- sparring someone who's been training for the past ten months, eight hours a day. And you might hit the gym twice a week for an hour. Well, you know what? I, you reminded me of something with that, right? You know, we old school. We 
we think we all all oh, we got it we do this we do that we think it's the right way right but um going back to when you asked me have i ever over uh estimated myself i will say there is a time when i overestimated myself uh-huh. and it's caught on video and when i challenged my children's uncle to a foot race on a sidewalk <laughs> in southeast dc <laughs> now i was fast and i was in great shape and he was young and real fast too i was like i can beat him so i challenged him and it was going great he got out on me at the jump i caught up with him because i'm a long speed guy i'm not a, a you know i'm not a put this way i'm not a 55 runner i'm a 200 runner um so i caught him and i decided to look over at him and kind of get cocky because that's what you know assholes do when they're manic <laughs> <laughs> so my foot clipped my pants leg and then i went down on the sidewalk and um i was so in, in a rush that i didn't even realize i got you know i had messed up hip i had road rash my elbow my hand so i got up I had actually had to go to the hospital because once all of those hormones came down, I thought I hit my head because I got dizzy. So I was asking, did I hit my head? Did I hit my head? So when I got to the hospital, um, <laughs> the nurses asked me, how fast was I riding? And I said, what are you talking about? They said, how fast were you riding on the, on the motorcycle? I said, nah, I was running. <laughs> and they laughed. <laughs> and I never raced again. Damn, man. <laughs> yeah. When you got to ask somebody else if you hit your head, <laughs> that's a bad situation, <laughs> man. Hey, did I hit my head? I remember that video too. The joint was funny because you took off running, and who I, I think what your daughter was videotaping it, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. All you heard her do was start laughing. It's like, <laughs> no, she screamed, and some random girl that was in the neighborhood started laughing. I have the video and a still a screenshot of it in case you want to post it. I don't care. I still got the video we, too. We as soon as you sent it see. to me, I, I saved that joint on my Dropbox. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just in case, man, I was going to put a picture of a sniper <laughs> over that joint sniping your ass, man. <laughs> Why not? Shit, man. As well. I ain't know how to do it. <laughs> man, so um, going going back into um, mania, before we get out of mania, how much sleep do you typically get or how much sleep do you need when you're going through a manic episode? Well, for me, it don't change. I've been a... I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but I got to say it. I was in the fire department. We worked 24-hour shifts. I worked at a busy station. Getting a full night's sleep just wasn't going to happen. And when you do that for a few years, it kind of sticks with you for the rest of your life. So I typically get maybe on a good night, three straight solid full hours without waking up. Um, In manic phases, I could go to sleep, not at all, (laughs) and then get my ass up at six in the morning and go work out for hours and come back home and still not need sleep. But even when I'm in those phases where I feel as though I don't need to go to sleep, I still lay down and at least rest because, you know, we're getting old (laughs) and being in the fire department and just getting older and having all that stress that wears on your heart. So, um, yeah, rest is important, man. Man, I noticed that, too, about a lot of military people that that served their entire careers in the military. Yo, they be out for like 10 years and they still wake up every morning at five o'clock and, you know, what I'm saying do whatever, whatever the hell it is that they're used to doing. When I'm manic, I'm, I'm much the same. I can't wind down to go to sleep. So I spend a lot of time in 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 the days at night just trying to lay there then get frustrated because I can't go to sleep because I got so much shit that I feel like I need to be doing. I'd say you start thinking about shit that you can't control that may happen 17 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, too, after I finish, um, what what I want to jump in is to that sleep paralysis, too. But, um, yeah, the I'd say I'd go off of maybe three hours of sleep during a manic phase. 
sometimes less, sometimes more. A normal night for me is about six hours. And honestly, I know my sleep schedule. I know what I need. I need nine hours a night. And to some people that might sound ridiculous, but I know my body and where there's been long stretches of time where I didn't need an alarm clock to wake up when I didn't need to be in bed at a certain time. Nine hours. That's always the magic number. But uh, yeah, I can get by with about three hours during a manic phase, man. Different people require different amounts of sleep. And I'm so to the point where, you know, time, I'm a time oriented guy. I, I often joke and say, uh, you know, any X-Men fans out there, they know what a mutiny is. I often joke with my wife and say, exceptional timekeeping is my mutant ability. And I, it's really crazy because I can lay down. I don't believe in alarm clocks. I don't believe in that. I don't accept them at all. Right. Mm. <laughs> I also don't believe there's ever any excuse to be late. If I tell myself I need to wake up at 4.53, I will turn around when I'm, you know, at night. I will turn around and look at my phone to see the time, and it will be 4.53. I can time my body to the minute, even if I get only one hour of sleep. See the problem. So it's just one of those things, you know, different people need different amounts of time, and it all depends on how you can manage when you're up. And, you know, I, I typically don't need but maybe three or four hours of relaxation time, not even deep sleep to to get along for the next day. Man, the problem with that is with with me at least. Um I can manage without an alarm clock. Like for instance, my alarm clock is set every morning at 7. I got six alarm clocks set and they're all in different rooms with two alarms each. They they start going off at 7:15 in the morning. Then the next one 7:30, the next one 7:45, the next one 8 o'clock. And then 8:15 and 8:30. Usually by the 830 alarm, I'm somewhat awake. And I'm telling you, I got alarms blaring in different rooms of the house because I've been known to sleep through like I've slept through a lot of shit. I could sleep through an earthquake once I once I'm asleep, I'm asleep. But I can I can function without an alarm clock, but it comes with it comes at a cost, which is quality of sleep. So if I lay down at 11 p.m. and say, all right, I need to be up by five o'clock in the morning no alarm clocks, I I think I'll end up waking up every hour until five o'clock and then I'm up at five. So I know with me, that's, that's how it works. I My quality of sleep without an alarm clock gets worse. Were you like my brother and did you sleep through 9-11 when the Pentagon got hit? Yeah, actually I did. My I was sleeping <laughs> on my cousin's den floor and his girl came and woke me up. I was like, hey, they're, they're blowing up the Pentagon. They're, they're blowing up all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, man, is it out here in Woodbridge? No. All right. And I went back to sleep. Oh, yeah. You lived in Woodbridge at the time. Oh, my brother lived about three miles from the Pentagon, and I was working about three miles away, too. So you definitely can hear it and feel it from where we were at. At least you weren't right, you know, in Del Rey. Because <laughs> if you slept through it in Del Rey, I'd have been like, damn, man. Man, I, I might have, man. Because even back then, I can sleep through anything. Takes me a long time to go to sleep, but once I get there, man, my best sleep hours are between 4 a.m. and about 8:30 a.m. That's when I'm in my deep sleep. Anytime before or after, then you know, shit, it's just crappy sleep, man. But look, sleep paralysis. Um, a lot of people they're aware of what sleep. Well, let me back up and say they're aware of the feeling of sleep paralysis. They didn't know, they don't know that there's a name associated with it. Sleep paralysis is where it's the best way I can describe it without having any literature up in front of me right now is you're 
halfway asleep and halfway awake. Your brain is awake. Your eyes are awake. Even though your eyes aren't open, you can still see the room. And you can't move a limb because what happens is your brain releases some kind of a hormone that basically it stops you from killing yourself while you're sleeping. So it paralyzes your body. Literally, you can't move your arms or legs during this uh, this whenever this hormone. I can't think of the name of it, but when it's released, it paralyzes you. If you get disturbed while you are on the cusp of falling asleep and this hormone has already been released, your brain is technically awake and it, it just does weird shit. You can't move a muscle. You can't move a muscle. You can't move your arms, can't move your legs. You you can feel your heart beating. And the best way I can describe it is you can see through your eyelids. And I think it's like your brain doing some trickery, sorcery shit or something because it's weird. I I think it's your brain remembering the last thing you saw before you closed your eyes and then using your imagination to um, fill in, fill in the gaps or whatever. So I've been laying there on my back in the bed with Becky and seeing people walking around in the room. And my heart starts beating fast and I'm like trying to decide what I'm going to do. Do I act like I'm asleep? Are they going to kill me or are they just trying to steal shit? I keep a gun in the room. So I'm like, I got to get to my gun without letting them know that I'm going for a gun. So I got to wait for the opportune time and make my move. Shit. What do I do? Uh, damn, they just left. They just walked out. All right. Now's the perfect time to jump up and get my gun. Can't move. What the fuck's going on? Heart beating real fast. Man, what the fuck? I can't move. I can't move. And then you try to scream out. You try to holler. You try to say something. Well, I try to say something to Becky the most. And this comes with me fighting my ass off. The most noise I can make is mm, mm, mm. that's it. So it's, it's scary as shit. And that that has happened to me very often. And one time, too, uh, I was laying on my mama's couch sleep. But again, in the state of sleep paralysis. And yo, I floated through the fucking couch, through the floor into the basement, right? It, it was just some weird shit, man. And there's nothing you can do. You can't move, man. You you experienced that, huh? Well, I got to ask you, did you wake up in the basement? <laughs> nah, man. Nah, that, <laughs> that, that would have been my superpower. My superpower is going through floors, motherfucker. <laughs> that would have been that would have been strange, man. But I've had issues. Um, I don't know much about what causes it. Um, I just know that with me, it just happens because I I sleep lightly and I have these, you know, every now and then I have bad, disturbing dreams or whatever. I don't like the term nightmares. To me, that sounds like little kid stuff, right? I'm not saying it's wrong, but I just don't like the term. But I have these things where I lay on the couch most of the nights because I need to have noise, TV, whatever. And uh, (laughs) I have this light fixture on the ceiling and it's kind of dark in the front room. Just the TV is on. And I would have these issues where I would be dreaming about something terrible, probably because the TV's on. I end up having dreams about Nazis or some crazy <laughs> like that. Cause I'm watching a, a Hitler documentary that just ended up loading on YouTube by itself. <laughs> so, so, I, so after waking up from my heart, I would dream about Nazis doing something. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm laying on my back eyes wide open and I'm looking at this light fixture that looks strange. Like, uh, you know, something's floating on, on over top of me in the room. And I'm trying to talk and I'm just going, ugh, making a bunch of weird noises. And I get stuck for a minute. And then it takes me about a minute or two to snap out of it and realize, oh, that's just the light. It's disturbing when it happens. But after a few times when it happens, it's just like, yeah, 
one of those weird things again. Man. But the thing is, uh, it's embarrassing though when you make those noises and people hear it. <laughs> it's like, damn, I hope did they hear me going, you know, making them weird noises? Man, I hope. I, I usually hope for someone to hear me because I want someone to shake me and say, hey, man, you all right, man? You all right? Like what, this one particular time I was laying in the bed, Becky was knocked out and I started tripping. I started hearing footsteps and hearing doors opening and closing. And, yo, it's literally like hallucinating. And mind you, I don't do any drugs, don't do any narcotics. And at this time, at this point, when this happened, I wasn't even on my uh, psychiatric meds. So. He was Dan off drugs. Yeah, I was Dan sober and mad all the time. So um, <laughs> basically, same thing happened here. People walking around here, doors opening and closing. And I'm like, yo, somebody in here, somebody in here. So then it hit me. I said, OK, wait, this is one of those things. This is one of those sleep paralysis incidents. Let me start moving. So I tried to move my feet, tried to move my hands, nothing. Tried to swing my arms and I tried to like. I try to throw my body into the bed, like just kind of just, I don't know, look like somebody having a temper tantrum or some shit. Nothing, nothing was working. So then I started focusing on my right arm and I'm just like swinging it as hard as I possibly can. And finally my arm moved and I hit Becky and I'm like, yes, she's about to wake me up and, and snap me out of this. She put the fucking TV remote control in my hand and turned back over and fell back asleep. I was like, so I was still going through it. I'm like, what the fuck is this in my hand? It, it feels long and hard, man. I, I just, I prayed I didn't wake up and have a dick in my hand or some shit, man. Cause <laughs> shit was weird, man. So I wake up and I, that's a strange, that's a strange, uh, fear to have, you know, uh, man, when, man, I hope this is a remote in my hand and not a dick. Wouldn't, wouldn't you be disturbed if you woke up with a dick in your hand? So at first, I would wonder where in the hell this thing come from. Man, it's not mine. It's just detached <laughs> and in your hand, like <laughs> man. But uh, so I, I I wake her up. I'm like Becky, what what you hand me this for? Why you put the remote in my hand? I'm sitting here and I'm mad too. I'm sitting here trying to uh get your attention to wake me up because I was going through the sleep paralysis again. She's like, oh, I just heard you grunting and hitting me. I thought you wanted the TV remote to change the channel. Like, damn. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't blame her though. I mean, she didn't know what was going on and, um, I prefer people not, you know, I, I don't want, no, don't mess with me. I'm out. I'm always in that, that stage when I'm not really sleep all the way anyway. So I kind of know what's, I, I, I'm pretty aware of what's going on around me. Even when people think I'm asleep, I can tell you what you came you know, what you came in the room. If I'm sleeping, you think I'm, if I'm laying down, you think I'm asleep. You'll come in the room, try to be quiet. I can tell you exactly what you did when you came down and what you said. Yeah. Even if I'm supposedly asleep, man. I, so I sleep extremely light. So I, even when I'm in that, that that phase, I still know it's happening when it's happening, man. That And that's some creepy shit. I, I can do that when I'm lightly sleeping. And, yo, I can tell you what the score of the football game is. And I can I, I've gone to sleep, you know, fell asleep on the couch on a Sunday with the football game on. I could re I can tell you exactly what happened in the game, even though my eyes was closed. I wasn't looking at the TV and I was asleep. It was like, yo, damn. Yeah, it was tied in the third. And then uh, Kansas City got a touchdown. And then Detroit came back and kicked the field goal. Like, damn, how how you know all that? And you were asleep. Because I, I didn't see one second of the Redskins game. And I did hear them say, uh, Mark Sanchez takes the field after Colt McCoy seemingly has a leg injury. So he's uh, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I I'm did asleep. hear that. 
Yeah, I, I wasn't asleep, but I knew that I knew Matt, I wasn't asleep, but I was asleep. I didn't watch the game, but when I woke up, I knew Mark Sanchez was the Washington Redskins starting quarterback. <laughs> Man, that's like a bad dream. That's a nightmare. <laughs> Man, so going again back to Mania. Now we're coming off of Mania, right? Coming down what the opposite of Mania, it's depression, right? But it's not now I may be wrong, but I'm describing it from my point of view. It's not regular depression because I go through regular depression every day. I'm technically I'm depressed right now. It's easy to hide it when you know people are listening to you. But um I I go through bouts of depression. This is a depression that makes depression look happy. That that's how I can describe it. Like when I come out of mania and go into that deep depression, I just wish I was regular depressed. I'm like, shit, I was having so much fun when I was regular depressed, man. I fucking hate feeling like this. And that's when I start to kind of toy with entertaining, ending, ending my life. Now, not that I would ever do that, but I can't say again, I can't say that I won't do it, but I don't plan on it. But that that's when I start toying with that idea or entertaining that idea a little more is coming right off of a manic episode. How about you, P? Well, even though technically the depressive state isn't, um, it's labeled as being pretty much uh, the same symptoms as someone with clinical depression, I think the reason why the depression feels so much ha- more harsh coming off of a manic phase than a uh, than just general depression is because you were at that high manic phase. So you go, I mean, you got to think if you go from, you know, you go for a walk every day, right? You go for a walk around your neighborhood and then say, you know, you go something crazy. I don't know. You go on a roller coaster. That walk is going to seem like, damn, this sucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of like the same thing with depression. You know, you, you, you may be depressed all year, but if you're coming off a manic, a manic episode, when you get that depressive episode, it's going to feel like it, it's going to hit you hard and it's going to feel like it's way worse than it ever was before. But a lot of the time from what I'm reading, like I said, I'm not an expert here. We're not experts here, but um, it can feel like that because of the extremely, you know, long and, and excessively high phase you just came from. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess, yeah, that, that would make sense. It's almost like I've never done coke or any of those drugs that people tend to get highly addicted to, but I can only imagine it being like, I know they say the first time you do a drug, you know, that's probably going to be the highest you ever get from that drug, but I can only, I, I would liken it to being high on coke or some kind of drug and then feeling the come down. Then you came down and you're like, shit, I've been doing coke all week. Now I ain't got no more coke. Fuck I'm going to do. I know. I'm going to kill maybe myself. It's like, uh, maybe it's like smoking crack and then taking a tramadol. <laughs> yeah, that'll fix it. <laughs> Man. So, yeah, I, I mean, I that, that makes perfect sense to me, though, because the manic state is euphoric for me and then my regular state is really depressive. And I just want to kind of touch on one quick thing, too, is hiding depression. People who have been depressed for years and years and years, we are experts at hiding it. You would never know. Just listening to me talk right now, listening to me over at Black Law and Legal Eyes, listening to P, listening to uh, P over at Black Law and Legal Eyes, you'd probably be like, yo, these brothers, yeah, they probably kind of fucked up, but sounds like, you know, they're making it and they made it through it. Nah, bro. 
we are still going through the shit, but it's easy to disguise it because we know what the symptoms are. Being that we know what the symptoms are and shout out. I wish I had his Twitter name, but shout out to the brother that uh, told me the name of what sociopaths use in, uh or have. It's called treatment savvy, where they know all the signs and symptoms. They know exactly what to say. They, they're basically gaming the system. Yo, being depressed for many, many years, you know what the symptoms are. You know what to say. Like, you could put me or P. I mean, I'm not sure if P's depressed, but I'm going to speak for myself. You could put me in front of a psychologist right now. You can put me in front of a psychiatrist, a therapist, social worker, counselor. And I can guarantee you none of them will write down in their notes that he shows signs of being depressed or he may be mildly depressed or he may be clinically major depressed. They won't have any of that. They'll they'll have in their notes that I'm normal. And I'm not saying that because I'm arrogant. I'm saying it because I've been hiding the signs and symptoms for decades. Yo, I'm, I'm 30, 30 plus years old. So, I mean, it's like you never know. You You really never know by looking at someone, by talking to them. And if you're not honest and going to therapy or going to see a doctor, your doctor's not a fucking mind reader. So if you don't, if you're not honest and open with them, they won't know to diagnose you as depressed. Uh, P, what's your thoughts? I think the best way to get a real diagnosis is to talk to a therapist first, not a psychiatrist to get medication to get a diagnosis. Because from my experience, I went to a therapist first. They do think they do things called rule outs where they talk to you. They don't they may ask you questions for your intake eval, but they'll talk to you and talk therapy and just ask questions about your life, regular things. And no matter how good you are at knowing what to say about symptoms, you will reveal yourself in general conversation. So if you're going to a therapist for eight months, they'll know by your conversations and seeing your different uh, mannerisms, seeing your different attitudes and behaviors over the every week, they, they can pretty much come to an accurate assessment and diagnosis over what you have, but you're not going to get that in one or two visits. Yeah. With me, um, I'm honest. I'm my issue. We <laughs> we talked about this before. I, I have to insert my uh, you know, typical uh, usual brain uh reference in this story. I talk about brains and eyeballs all the time. I just I don't care if people want to hear what I got to say. You know, I'm going to give it to them. If they don't want to hear it, then you shouldn't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that. Uh, you turn your wrong station off. It's just. Well, it just happens. So I don't buy, I don't really try to conceal. So um, the thing is, most depressed people have humor. And that's something that I think I'm like, I keep saying this. I'm not an expert. But if you just look at comedians, a lot of famous people, some of the most depressed people that have big issues that they get that they reveal have a sense of humor. Because if you don't have a sense of humor, man, you would go you would have a hard time coping every day. So. We tell a lot of jokes, but at the same time, I'll tell you what, what I'm thinking about. And if you talk to someone that actually has depression, I think for any reasonable amount of time, you would kind of get an idea that something is not exactly right um, <laughs> based off of certain patterns that they may exhibit. Man, mine, I guess my ability to hide it may may stem from being a juvenile delinquent as well. And being forced to see counselors and forced to see therapists back then. But I'm 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 fairly confident in my ability for no one to know that I'm depressed because what's funny is we did uh, 40, 41 episodes 
over at Black Law and Legal Eyes. And when we did the episode I Am Anxiety with me, P, and Becky, there were a lot of people that reached out and they were like, yo, I had no idea. I, I didn't know you suffer from this or I have a lot of the same feelings, too. I didn't know. And it's funny. It's like y'all been listening to me for an hour a week for 41 weeks and had no clue. So I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's my ability to be able to hide it. But if I were being honest, like P and being open with people, shit, within 10 seconds of knowing me, you'll you'll be like, yeah, he's he's depressed and all kinds of shit because it would be like, hey, Dan, how you doing? Fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) Well, I mean, I can say that in in my old career in the fire department, nobody knew because sort of like Dan was stating. When you're in an environment where you really can't let on too much, um, you, you get skilled at hiding things. Mine was my panic issues. I had a, a extreme panic attacks multiple times a day at work. Nobody knew um, because I always found ways to work around it, um, to get over certain calls and to kind of hide it. And you become effective at because my major thing, yes, depression comes with PTSD, but my major disability is PTSD. So you start to learn how to conceal those physical reactions from people around you. So, um, you know, even to this day, I'm still pretty good at it. Um, if I don't want someone to know something bothers me, they won't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. So for those of you out here who are seeking treatment, yeah, and P said this in episode one, you got to be honest with first yourself, but then you have to be honest with wh- whoever you're seeking this help from. And, uh, I'm pretty sure you've heard P's story multiple times. Be sure that help is what you want, because sometimes you think it's what you want. And uh, I'm going to share a story real quick that came to mind after listening to the homies uh, Scoop Grady and A.B. over at uh, Scoop Grady's show. He was talking about how he went into a mental institution for being depressed because he thought that that's what he needed. And once he got in there, he was like, holy shit. This ain't where I this ain't where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> so I got a cousin who did the same thing. Now my cousin, he does have mental illness issues, and he also he he has a lot of issues. He decided that the best thing for him to do would to be to check himself into a mental institution and get the help oh, he needed because he couldn't get any help at these clinics, at these free mental health clinics. And he he tried, he tried, he tried, couldn't get anything. So he checked himself in. And within an hour of being there, he was like, man, you had people talking to invisible people. Then you had the people that were on the drugs. They was like zombies. Then you had the the bitch that just kept like twisting her head, looking like the exorcist and, and saying hi. He was like, yo, um, excuse me, I, I need to leave now because, yo, y'all got y'all got real crazy people in here. I'm I'm just depressed, really. And they were like, nope, sorry, can't leave. And he was like, 36 hours, right? I, I forget how long he was in there for a whole weekend. So, he's, yeah, probably. So he was like, nah, I need to go. I checked myself in. I'm uh, Y'all can't hold me here against my will. Nope, sorry. We need to, before we can let you leave, you need to be evaluated by a doctor. And he did this, unfortunately, on a Friday. So they he was in there for a whole weekend with like, he was like, yo, man, uh, same thing. That A.B. was saying is like, man, I, I thought I had it bad, man. I thought I was crazy until I was in there around all these real crazy people and I ain't had no shoes. Motherfuckers took my shoes. So so when you get back to work and your, you know, fake friend co-workers ask you, how was your weekend? What do you say? <laughs> well, which answer do you want? 
(laughs) man so yeah just be sure that the help that you're you're um you're reaching out to get is the help that you want and need and as paul said uh talking to a therapist sometimes it's, it's always good to start with baby steps you might not even necessarily need to talk to a therapist this this is what i would do i i poll people I'll reach out to the the few people that I'm real close with and I'll tell them, yo, this is what's been going on. This is how I've been feeling, man. Yo, I'm thinking about going to see somebody. What y'all think? And this group of people is very small. I'm talking like two, three people tops. They'll they'll be honest with me and they'll be like, man, you'll get over it. You'll be straight. You'll be all right. And usually they're right. And other times they'll be see, like, I would I would I would disagree, though. I think this is. One of the first disagreements we have on Screws Loose Power. Hey, fuck you. Meet me yeah, outside. Uh, <laughs> I'd actually disagree with that because most people don't know a damn thing about mental health. And most people, even if you're sick. Okay, I'm going to use being sick as an example because mm-hmm. mental health issues are a sickness. If you tell your friend, or your, your your close family member, whoever that, oh, man, I don't know, man. I, I've been having this issue, man. I think I'm having a heart attack or I might have cancer. I need to go get checked out. What do you think? To make you feel better, many times they'll say, oh, man, you probably all right. Just chill for a little while and, and wait on it. If it's still if it's still a problem, go maybe get checked out. But I think you're okay. Many times people will tell you, uh, I think you're okay. The time to listen to other people that's close to you is when you're not asking them for their help. And they tell you, hey, man, you, need to, you might want to get this checked out because you've been doing this or that lately. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you have to ask someone close to you, I would say that... You may not get the necessary response to actually help you. I said this on another show. You got to be honest with yourself. You know yourself and your thoughts better than anyone else. And if you feel as though you need to get help, if you're questioning that, then you probably need to go get help. That's what I that's my opinion. Yeah. And I I mean, I, I agree with you. I like speaking from my my experiences, like some of the people I would ask would be you, which is you're you're familiar with mental health symptoms like when i was taking the clonopin and after about three or four months i started tripping and i remember i texted you and i was like hey man i think i'm tripping man and i, I forgot what i said but i'm like yeah this going on this going on this going on hey man why don't you lay off the clonopin for a little while laid off the clonopin for a little while that shit worked so i mean i i think it's a matter of for me it's people that i trust like and i know p would say man go to the hospital for everything one time uh leaving the boxing gym i put my i had a cut on my hand and it was a bad cut but i ain't care because i wanted to fight so we go to the boxing gym wrap my hands put on the boxing gloves went ahead did our thing the next day i had this white pus and shit growing out of my finger hey man you probably got a staph infection man you need to go to the hospital nah man it'd be all right i'm gonna just put some peroxide on it nah man that that's not something that a peroxide will fix i proved you wrong (laughs) My finger was fucked up for like three months, man. Yeah, it's because they got infected. I, I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to bet, <laughs> man. That joint was real fucked up, and I just kept remembering. I was like, man, I ain't paying my five hundred dollar deductible for for them to tell me my finger fucked up. I know it's fucked up. <laughs> hey, that is a lot of money. I remember when I was in the fire department, I had good health insurance. I used to say all the time, man, people be tripping. People don't want to go to hospitals. They scared of the bill. Now I'd be like, man, my chest hurt, but I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Man, Maybe I can did, just take this aspirin. How long did it take you to go to the hospital for rhabdomyolysis? I went that same night because I was I, my chest was really hurting. That joint was hurting terrible. 
So um yeah, I went that same night actually because I don't one thing I don't play with is chest pain. I I know I used it as a joke a minute ago, but when you start to get our age, especially from my career when heart attacks and cancers are the number are the top killers of firefighters, especially approaching their forties, I don't play when it comes to chest pain. But yeah. man, I'm I'm surprised because I do the same shit. I I'll be like, man, and see this is this is what's fucked up with both of us and again with millions of other people is if we went to the hospital, if we went to urgent care, if we went to a doctor every time we had chest pains and suspected something was going on, yeah, we would all be in debt, like serious debt, because symptoms of anxiety attacks mimic those of heart attacks. So this this is the scary thing is one day you can actually be having a heart attack because this will this is what I do now when my chest starts hurting. And I'm having labored breathing, having uh, pain radiating up and down my left arm. I'm like, man, I just need to go lay down for a few minutes. I need to go sit down for a few minutes. I ain't going to no doctors because I've been to the doctor too many times for them to tell me you're just having a panic attack. So I'm like, Shh, I'm good. I need to one day that shit could be an actual heart attack. It could be something severely wrong. And I'm like, nah, it's just it's just a panic attack. And it's not. Yeah, I, I went to the hospital once for chest pain since I've been down here and um, you know, I'm used to panic attacks, but one thing I didn't know and I learned that day was panic attacks can change over time. And mine didn't present as an overt, I'm gasping for air. I'm struggling. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of stuff. Mine, you know, pre- presented as chest pain and sharp chest pain. And I, <laughs> I told them that I had uh panic issues and, uh, you know, so they gave me Valium in an IV and I take Valium by prescription. And getting Valium through an IV is a lot different than Valium from a prescription. I bet. So when they shot that Valium in me, my chest pain went away right then and there. And I was talking and cracking jokes and laughing. <laughs> I was say I was admitted overnight because of the rhabdomyolysis in the in the past. But um, yeah, over time these panic attacks can change the type, the severity, and how they present. Now, like you were saying a minute ago, Dan, I went to the doctor the hospital a couple times with chest pain. And it actually was just a panic attack that was different than how they how I was used to them being. Yeah. And man, with people for people, I much like P, I had really good health insurance at one point through my employer. And I want to say my total deductible for the year was five hundred dollars. And I'm like, shit, every office visits was like ten dollars or something like that. Urgent care was like twenty five dollars. Yo, I would go spend twenty five dollars every time I had chest pains. if. That's what it took because, yo, I didn't care. Twenty five dollars is nothing. But now I'm on this damn um healthcare.gov shit where I pay like seven hundred dollars a month for health insurance. And you would think paying seven hundred dollars a month, you would get some kind of decent coverage. Nah, that shit is bare minimum coverage with like a six thousand dollar deductible um, office visits are like sixty dollars. Urgent care is like a hundred dollars or something like that. So there's a big difference between spending a hundred dollars and $25 every time your chest hurts when you have anxiety. So man, do you know how much crack you can get for $700 a month? Hell yeah, man. You know how many damn opiates and (laughs) motherfucking weed and shit you could buy coffee, opiates and weed. (laughs) There's your pharmacology, your pharmaceutical, a relief right there man and you know what's fucked up is i actually i debated this year see we all all off in the sidebar (laughs) hold on hold on hold on i cut you off i thought you was literally getting ready to say i debated doing crack this year (laughs) 
<laughs> Damn. I had it. <laughs> I started laughing and I interrupted you, but nah, that's what I thought you was getting ready to say. I don't think I've ever <laughs> debated that. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> I debated this year going without health insurance for the first time in my life because, ladies and gentlemen, I am paying $700 a month, right? That does not cover mental health. My insurance policy that I'm paying $700 a month for doesn't cover mental health. I have to pay that shit out of pocket. So when I go see my psychiatrist, that's another $300 a month. So right now, my medical expenses are at $1,000 a month. My medical insurance that I'm paying $700 a month for does not cover my prescriptions until I meet a prescription deductible of like $600 or something like that. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm paying for my medication out of pocket. So to sum it up, I'm paying $700 a month for health insurance, $300 a month for my psychiatrist, and I'm paying $115 a month for medication. That is $1,115 a month I'm paying for my medical shit, right? That's totally unacceptable for it to cover nothing. Like that shit covers nothing. Blood work. I got to pay for that shit out of pocket. Um, office visits. I pay a deduct, uh, copay of $25 or $45, something like that. Uh, urgent care is $60, but it has to be approved by my doctor first. And ER is $500. So, yo, th- this healthcare system is fucked up, yo. Yeah, and that's how they want it to be. It's not going to change because they want it to be that way. Nah, you're absolutely right, man. So, yeah, I some sometimes I think of it like this. I can quit my job right now, go get unemployment. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Let, let's just say I can leave my job and get unemployment along with the health care that I can get through the government. I'll be making out all right, man. Yeah. You know, when I first lost my career before I got on Social Security, I was on unemployment and I couldn't afford health insurance. So I didn't have it for a while. And that was before the whole healthcare.gov healthcare marketplace. I couldn't buy insurance. Virginia didn't have single coverage. Uh, Cobra would have made my insurance cost $2,500 a month. So I was without, um, you know, and then I ended up with Social Security, got Medicare. That was not all it was cracked up to be for somebody who was disabled. I had a similar situation. I had to pay for my scripts out of pocket. And many of the scripts I took weren't generic. So I had to go without. I get migraines. I couldn't get my uh, my migraine medicine. So, you know, it's just it's always some kind of roadblock. Yeah, 100 percent, man. And that's again. And I'm going to say this again to all the people who say to other people, you should see somebody. You need help. You need to go to a doctor. You need to go to a therapist. You need to go to a psychologist. Man, fuck y'all, because not everybody has the luxury of being able to go. And again, I'll tell you one last time, I spend $1,115 a month for my medical shit. If you were to add weekly therapy sessions to that, I I don't even know what a weekly therapist charges, what what a therapist charges weekly, but I'm just going to say $200 because that sounds about right to me. That's another $800. I'd be spending $1,900 a month on medical care. So that's that's why I get so bent out of shape and angry when people say, have you ever uh, tried getting therapy? Have you ever talked to a psychologist or a social worker? What the fuck, man? It's not free, you know? Yeah. And and I'm not saying it should be free, but yo, that there needs to be something to bridge the gap 
between how much this shit costs and how much people make because yo i make a fairly decent living i mean i ain't struggling i'm good as long as i keep getting my paycheck i'm good got money in the bank i'm good but if i started spending all of this money for therapy uh cbt going to psychologists yo i ain't living that good i can't afford that shit well you know what i'm gonna tell you yo if you have to spend that much money and you start to struggle when your personal life takes a hit then I recommend you just start smoking crack. <laughs> I brought crack up again on purpose because I was laughing to myself that we have brought up crack about four times in this show for some reason. So, <laughs> crack, coke, man. Ne- crack. Next, next week's theme: heroin. <laughs> man, so to to bring the conversation uh back full circle now, uh back to mania and the come down. Um, do you fear the come down when you're manic? No. I don't fear the the come down automatic episodes anymore. Um, I know it's coming in advance, well in advance, but I just learned to cope with both. Uh, For me, the key has been trying to keep them both almost uh, the same. Don't really change much. I mean, I got a lot of kids, so I can't be reckless anyway, you know, Mm -hmm. so that kind of helps out. I'm assuming that helps out a lot, but I don't worry about it either or. Um, I've just been dealing with this for so many years. It just comes with the territory and I pretty much know what to expect for each. Um, so it doesn't bother me, but you do know what's coming. Yeah, man. I, and I know that I remember that feeling is in the, in the late stages of your, your manic episode, you do start to feel it. It's not like a light switch that you turn on and off and one day you're manic, boom, next day it like gradually decreases. And then the last 50% 50% is then it's almost like a light switch, but you can feel the come down. And yo, that's one of my biggest fears. I, well, I got a lot of big, biggest fears, but one of my big fears is the come down. When you feel it happening, you know where you're going to be mentally. You know, you're not going to want to get out of bed. You're not going to want to go brush your teeth. You're not going to want to take a shower, get dressed, shave, uh, basic hygiene shit, man. That That's, it it gets deep, man. It really does. But I fear that shit because I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I said, I, I always think about suicide during those times. Usually it's only for a couple of days and then I'm back to regular depression. But who knows, man? I might be having a really good manic manic episode and then shit to come down like shit, man. Fuck this shit. So let me ask you this, uh, P. Do you look forward? Well, I guess you answered it, but I'm asking anyway. Do you look forward to your next bout of mania? Not really. There are certain things that I wish I can I can pick and choose from it. Like the for years, I would I would never miss working out. I loved working out. I was crazy about it. And for years, I wouldn't dream of missing even one session. I wish I can kind of pick that and take that from those manic episodes, but I can't. So I would say that, you know, that's pretty much the thing that I miss or I look forward to, you know, when I am in that stage. But not really. I mean, like I like I said a minute ago, I just kind of keep things the same. And I guess to keep my mind thinking that everything is not much different than it ever is. And that helps out a lot. So. And one day your wife come home, you got new birth certificates. Hey, I changed the kids names. What the fuck wrong with you, man? <laughs> I really like the name Gidget. <laughs> Gidget and Scooter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, honey, meet Gidget and Scooter. <laughs> Kids just be looking at it like, man, seriously, you left me with this motherfucker. 
<laughs> so, yeah, man, I guess, you know, we'll wrap up. <laughs> Little Bama named Scooter. Damn. <laughs> we'll wrap up with uh, another story and then wrap the show. So this story, uh, man, Paul wasn't here for this night, but it's still one of my favorite stories ever, right? So a good friend that we have, he um broke up with his his girlfriend, long-term girlfriend. And they were together. <laughs> I think I know what this is going. <laughs> they were together for years. Now, they broke up one night. So my boy calls. He was like, hey, man, can you pick me up? I can't even drive. I'm so upset. And I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, I'll come down there and pick you up. Came and picked him up. He got in the car and he was talking. Now, this is like he was a, a, a thug. He was like, you know, one of one of those type of dudes, like gangster. And, you know, man, dude gets in the car and looks at me and says, man, she broke up with me. So I said, uh, damn, bro, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Man, y'all probably get back together. No, it's final. <laughs> so I said, damn, bro, that's, that's fucked up, man. You know, y'all was y'all was tight, man. What happened? And of course, my dumb ass asked what happened. I learned now. I never ask what happened. Yeah, don't ask. Man. Don't ask what happened. So he started telling me that, yeah, well, I don't want to, because some of the things are, are real telling of who he is. Um, but he, he started breaking down the story about how her mother didn't approve of him or his lifestyle. He was a high school dropout, much like us or much like myself and GED. And hardworking dude, though. But she was college bound and... My mother was just disapproved of the relationship. So we go riding around and, you know, he's telling me the story of what happened, how the mother didn't approve and how, you know, he was just trying so hard to impress the mother. And then the dude looks out the window and he looks back and he goes, what? <laughs> he, threw, he said, but I love her. <laughs> I thought you was getting ready to tell a different story at first. Man. So I said, I had this I had this fat boy's tape in the car. Did you turn the music up when you heard yeah, that? I turned that joint way up on fat boy. <laughs> Better stop blasting the human beatbox. Yeah, I turned that shit all the way up as loud as I Imagine pulling up at the stoplight and then some nigga look in the car and you got one baby going, I love her. And you got the human beatbox fat boys blasting in your sister. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck going on in their car? <laughs> I remember exactly where we were. Two wheels on a uh, Glebe Road, right about four mile run, getting about to get on 395. Yeah, I turned that shit all the way up and he but he he wouldn't break eye contact. He was like looking at me wanting some kind of uh reassurance or something. So I just turned the shit up. So then he put his hands in his face and started crying in his lap. So I was mad because I could still hear him crying, right? So, so I rolled the window. Oh, shit. Man, I rolled the windows down. I'm like, maybe some of the air blowing in the car will cover up the sound and So we drove all the way from 395 over there by um, Arlington all the way to Woodbridge. By the time we got to Woodbridge, right, he had, he had probably stopped crying around Springfield, which is maybe, what, 10 minutes? So yeah. we get to Woodbridge, we get up, and he turns to me and tries to dap me up like, all right, all right I'm going to see you later, dog. <laughs> like, 
nah, nigga. So he called me the next day because I'm like, this is one of those days that we never talk about again, right? He called me the next day. He's like, hey, man, nigga, you started blasting fat boys when I was crying, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Out of all the music you could have blasted, dog, you blasting some old 1980s rap. <laughs> This nigga started blasting the fat boys. Who the fuck? Who ride around with fat boys in their car? Shit, young? we did. Man. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was funny as shit, young. He yeah, he went off for about 10 minutes. Like, man, that was fucked up, man. You could at least play play some Wu-Tang or something more recent, man. Like, damn. I was like, nah, man. I thought it was like one of them joints where you wanted to have a moment to yourself. So, What you was playing? Can you feel it? Can you nah, feel it? Nah, the first it? joint. Whatever. You remember the first joint, young? <laughs> fat. Boys, bad boys. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. So that's that's my funny story, man. What story you thought I was about to tell? I thought he was about to tell the other one from the firehouse when you was when that man was like, "They got my family, they got my kids," and then like ten minutes later, it was over. Oh no, nah, I was alright. Like we went from taken to fucking to all in the family, happy family yeah. reunion or some Damn, shit. I forgot about that joint, man. Yeah, shit, man. Shit, you actually take that one away. I, all I remember was I was at the station and you popped up and I was already distracted because I was at work. I don't remember much. All I remember was, damn, man, they got that nigga family. <laughs> and so he was like, see what they talking about. And then they didn't have his family. I don't know who they was. And I don't know why he thought they had his family. But then he came. He came to the firehouse with you after that. Was nah, like, he never made oh, it. Oh, it's all good, dog. He never huh? made it. He was supposed to. I thought he came. Nah, he's supposed to meet us there. So. Oh, that's right. And then that's right, that's right. Because we was in the basement yeah. of the firehouse. Man, I go to all, all I remember was he was like, "I'm gonna kill them." They got my family. And he was tripping, and you can't. You left, right? <laughs> Didn't you leave and come back? Yeah, he asked me. He's like, "Hey, man, you got your strap?" Like, damn, that's never a question I want to answer, man. <laughs> like, I, so I'm like, "Yeah, man, roll down to my crib." And then he hung up the phone. I'm like, "Nigga, I don't know where you live, man. I ain't been hey, up here." Hey, man, shit. So <laughs> anyway, to answer the question. How did we get here? So I come up from New Orleans. I only go back to D.C. once every couple of years. And my boy, he moves around from place to place. My grandmother's house was right around the corner from P's fire station. So I go pop through the fire station, kicking it there. So our, our mutual friend, our boy, calls me up. He's like, hey, man, I heard you in town. I'm like, yeah, I'm over here at the uh, fire station on Route 1. Oh, all right, man, bet. I'm about to come through there. It's cool if I come through there. Yeah, come on. So anyway, we sitting there talking and next thing you know, get another phone call and it's dog. They got my family. They got my family, nigga, man. I'm <laughs> man. I'm flying back home. Man. I'm sorry, man. Hey, nigga, you got your strap. Like, y- yeah. It's like, man, I didn't come up from New Orleans for this. I really did, man. And I was about to drive. I was about to take this. I mean, I was going to go out there because that's that's my boy. But I was going to drive the long way because. Like, I need whatever the fuck's going on out there to be done with by the time I get there. So he's like, man, just come by the crib. Boom. Hangs up the phone. So I sat there for another like five, ten minutes. I was like, hey, man, you ain't going to believe this shit, man. So I started telling P what was going on. He laughing. He's like, man, what the fuck? So he calls back. Boy calls back. I put him on speakerphone this time. I'm like, see, man, because you got to hear this shit. Hey, yeah, man, they hold my family hostage in my house, man. They hold my family hostage, man. Uh, so I'm like, yo, you call the police? Who hold, who's holding your? Nah, <laughs> yeah, that's what he said too. Nah, like, who's? <laughs> I called you. <laughs> who's holding your family hostage? 
Man, I don't know. It's like this dude around the way, around my neighborhood, man. Yep. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. Some random nigga around the way. I know. I'm going to take that nigga family hostage. <laughs> I don't know what I want in return. So, oh, well, I'm like, all right, man. I'm on my way out there, man. I need to know where you live. Rip on landing. Boom. Hangs the phone up again. So I'm like. I bet you was driving slow. Man, I drove out. I hit Beacon Hill Road. And I said, what's the, the longest way to Woodbridge? So I said, I'm going to just go straight down Route 1 and I'm going to go to speed limit too. So by the time I get to like uh by Mount Vernon Square, he called me back and was like, oh, nah, man, it's all good, man. I came up in the house, man. Yo, my wife, she had called me when I was on my way to the fire station and she just started crying and hung up the phone. So I figured she had been kidnapped and it was holding my family hostage. So if anyone knows the D.C. area, you know, we have some of the worst traffic, right? Rather than sitting in the traffic, he hits the shoulders and he was like, yeah. And I was blinking my my high beams to low beams real fast. So people thought I was a cop. And you know, I rode all the way down to the exit like that. Got off. I got home. And, you know, see, she was just uh sad because something happened to her brother. Uh, Y'all still want me to come through the firehouse? Nah, nah, man. We good. Nah, man. <laughs> nah, Joe. Like, why would that be your jump? Why would that be the conclusion you jump to? <laughs> Of all the things in this world that causes somebody to cry, you automatically jump to, they have my family. I have a special set of skills. Man. Like, damn, man. It's it's funny, but, you know, it's it's like that That goes to anxiety as well, too, man. Because that, that's, that's 100% anxiety because I'm sure in his mind, that's one of his biggest fears. And a lot of times you have worst case scenario thinking. So his, his biggest fear is probably something happening to his family. Someone... Holding them hostage or something. Not that that's funny, but in his mind, that's, that's like what happened. Your biggest, that's like your biggest fear is getting eaten by a great white shark. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> you walking on the sidewalk and you looking over your shoulder just in case a shark come out on you. Man, and believe it or not, that's true. That's true, man. People like <laughs> P used to have a irrational. Well, I call it irrational. To him, it wasn't irrational. Fear of dogs. All dogs. So... Yeah, yeah we be yeah. walking through the mall i don't like dogs man we i don't like dogs <laughs> walking through the mall p be like hey man that sounds like a dog hey make sure ain't no dogs i'm like nigga we at the mall man ain't no dogs in here man you know people having them service what? weapons and service dogs and shit when i have to go somewhere that i've never been to before the first question i always ask is ain't no dogs in there is it and i know i'm not the only one some of y'all out there listening know exactly <laughs> what i'm talking about man yeah that i guess that that wraps up the show uh you know, we went from mania <laughs> to I, I love to summarize because it's it's funny to see how it jumped around. Went from mania. Well, first, go well, no, no, no. First, we started with Robert Griffin's hairline. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving that in there too. Nigga, <laughs> 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 his head looked like his head named Slickback, young, but he slicked it forward, Joe. <laughs> like, and they got them long ass teeth. And when you said that man was braces behind his his lips. <laughs> That John did it, young. man. Young, he, he looked like he brushes the top of his hair forward, right? But then brushes the back of his <laughs> hair forward too. <laughs> like, man. That nigga got a comb, and nigga got a shag comb over from the back, <laughs> man. So yeah, we started off uh, joning on Robert Griffin's hairline and his hair. Then we went to uh, and his face, <laughs> everything about him. Went to Tyson Fury's um, his you know his comeback which was an incredible comeback and talked a little bit about the fight. 
We also talked about mania becoming manic. Uh, Paul talked about being bipolar too, and how mania is closely related with that. Hypomania is closely related to that. Um, bipolar one, hi- what's it? Hypermania? No, just just mania. Oh, just mania. Damn. So yeah, I've been saying it wrong the whole time. I've just been saying mania, mania, mania. So it's hypomania. Bipolar two is hypomania, and bipolar one is just mania. So we. Went over that, went over depression, the come down. We also talked a little bit about uh, how fucked up the health health insurance is in the United States. One of the few remaining countries that still has this horrible model. Uh, Shit, went to my boy's family being held hostage and him crying in the car while I blasted fat boys. But sounds about sounds about right to me for a show. So. Again, I'm one of your hosts, Dan, and you can find me on Twitter and IG at I am Dan on Drugs. You can also catch me on Black Law and Legalize podcast every Tuesday. And I'm P from Charlotte. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Screws Loose Pod. Peace out. Peace.